Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. I am going to be honest with you guys. I've recorded this intro probably about five or six times. I really don't think I can adequately intro this episode of the podcast. I have the honor of talking to Katherine Jackson, and this is an incredibly powerful episode, and she shares her motherhood story. She is the mother of three kids, and she's going to share how her motherhood story changed in an instant. And I I guarantee that after listening to this episode, you are going to mother differently. You're going to look at your kids differently, and you're going to love them differently. And I think you're going to look at other children differently as well. So I really don't want to spend any more time talking about it. Let's dive in and let's chat with Catherine. I will warn you, though, that you might want to grab a tissue or two because this, like I said, is an emotional and powerful episode. And uh, grab those tissues and let's chat with Catherine. Hey, Catherine, how are you today? I am great. How are you, Kat? I'm doing pretty well uh, for everybody listening. I am allergic to the months of January, February, and March. So this is my allergic voice. If you hear me sounding a little bit like Steve Urkel or I don't know who, but sounding all nasally, that is why. And I hope you'll bear with me as we chat today. And it could be one of those things that it sounds funkier in my head than it actually sounds. I think you sound fine. Okay. I don't sound like I'm about to say beet loaf instead of meatloaf or anything crazy like that. No. no. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, To me, I sound just crazy. So that's good to know. Um, So yeah. So all all right. Everybody listening, a a friend of mine, Taylor Irby, listens to the podcast, reads the blog, and I've known her just through various ways for several years. And she sent me an email and said, okay, I have this friend, Katherine Jackson, that you need to interview for the podcast. She has an incredible story. Uh, not only as a mom, but also actually as a blogger and just as a believer, just doing an incredible journey in both places. And and she'd be a great interviewee for the podcast. So I checked out her blog and I was like, yes, this is somebody that I want to to share her story. And I want to honestly just ask questions and hang out, which is really what the podcast is all about. So I'm glad that all of you can join us. And um, well, welcome, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. I would love for you to start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am a Southerner at heart. (laughs) I've been married for 17 years, and we have three children. I have an older boy. He's 11. And then I have two younger girls. They are nine and seven. And I think I I became a Christian in elementary school, but really didn't have any discipleship or solid teaching, wasn't involved in a church until I got into college. And then I was invited to go to a Bible study through Campus Crusade, which is now known as Crew, and was heavily involved in that ministry. And really, that's I think that's really where my Christian walk began, was at, was at the University 
Um, and that's where I met my husband. And I guess that's where our Christian journey started together. Very cool. Uh, and I know a lot of people's story starts with Campus Crusade. Uh, I hear so many people saying, oh, well, yeah, that started. And it's like Sally Clarkson talks about it a lot. And my friend Katie Orr. Uh, what a great ministry. So you've been married for 17 years and you have three kids. Yes. And in 2010, something mm-hmm. significant happened in your family. Tell us a little bit about that. It did. All three of my kids were born healthy. Um, we were just your normal struggling family. In fact, I was that morning, I was, um, let's see, I was homeschooling my oldest son and my middle daughter was in pre-K and my youngest daughter was also in pre-K and they were all on different school schedules. It always seems like all three of them are doing different things. And we were going to pick up my youngest daughter from pre-K and um, going to meet a friend for lunch, just a normal average day in the life of a mom. I think we were going, even going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and we were um, leaving our neighborhood and out of our neighborhood um, the Chick-fil-A is literally almost right across the street from our neighborhood. and But you have to turn left onto a four-lane, pretty busy road to get there. And it's a stop sign that I was at, I mean, every single day for the last five years. Just to, And I looked left, I stopped, I looked left, nothing was coming. I looked right, nothing was coming. And so I pulled out. But then when I turned um, again to look left, there was a, a huge truck right there um, that I hadn't seen. And that was really my last memory was, oh, my good, goodness, where did that truck come from? Yeah. So I blacked out and um, awoke to the van surrounded by emergency, emergency personnel. I mean, it was just surrounded. And I remember scanning the van, you know, for my three children. I, I first heard my oldest son. He was seven at the time. And he, um, he was screaming and he had blood running down his face. Um, and even though that was scary, I knew he was going to be okay. He was conscious. Um, I, I caught my youngest daughter. Her, She was three at the time. Her eyes were as wide, just huge, wide, like saucers. She was in shock. But she, again, she was conscious, and I knew she was going to be fine. She was terrified. But then I caught my middle daughter. She was five. Her name is Anne. And she was slumped, lifeless, in the back seat. And I knew I knew that she was um, going to be, she was not going to be okay. Um, in the ambulance on the way to, they took me into a different hospital than my children. On the way, on the ambulance, I remember asking the ambulance driver about her and her words were very sobering. I mean, she had no, she had no words of hope for me that my daughter was going to live. And so I, I called my husband from the ambulance, and that was a very hard conversation. Begged him to go to the children's hospital to be with them. And, and he was met by a neurosurgeon that said, um, your daughter has to have emergency surgery to remove part of her skull. Um, her brain is swelling and bleeding so quickly. If I don't do surgery right now, she's going to die. And um, my other two children were also at the same hospital, and they were fine. They just suffered concussions. But Anne, um, Anne survived the surgery. The neurosurgeon said later, later that she, if she, just 30 seconds, if she had been to the hospital just 30 seconds later, she would have died, wow. that her brain was swelling that quickly. 
Um, but thankfully she lived and, um, but he didn't know if she was going to survive the night. So my husband called me. I was, I was in the hospital. I suffered a, I mean, relatively nothing, but I had a pretty serious concussion. Um, but my pastor's wife drove me to the hospital and I just remember, you know, standing by her bedside, not knowing if she was going to live through the night. Um, my husband stayed there all night. I went home with a friend. Um, I slept with my youngest daughter and just really felt just the peace of God, you know, just assuring me that whatever happened was going to be good. She did survive that night and she did, sur- I mean, she did survive. She is alive. Thank God. Um, but she survived and she lives now with a brain injury, a very serious, debilitating brain injury. We would spend the next 73 days in the hospital. And um, when she, she still can't walk um, by herself and um, she has physical and uh, mental disability significant. I don't know if we don't know if she'll ever be independent. So our lives changed that day very drastically. All of a sudden we had, we went from just having three normal healthy children to having a child with um, severe disabilities. Um, so yeah, that was a April 10th. No, April 13th, 2010 was definitely a life-changing day for our family. How did you handle the ambulance taking you off? I mean, were you cognizant enough? Um, you know, obviously you knew you were going to, a, did you know you were going to a different hospital or did you arrive at the hospital and then find out that it was a different hospital than your children were at? I did. I did know because I, because of the conversation that the ambulance worker was having with my husband. I couldn't tell him where to go, but yeah, I mean, they were, they were being, my children were being transferred to a children's hospital Mm. and I didn't know this at the time, but Anne was actually airlifted. Um, the emergency workers that the heroes really that were first to arrive to the scene. And I still don't know to this day who called 911 and how they even arrived because I was, you know, out. Um, but the very first people to arrive to the scene, um, called for the helicopter. And so, I mean, it was one of those crazy things. It was even on the news where they shut down this huge road and the helicopter lands and they take your daughter. And I wasn't conscious for any of that. And I'm very grateful. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I got to the hospital, my pastor was there. Um, I was surrounded by both hospitals had people from our church there. So, You know, all I could really say was that, and this is hard to explain outside of the Christian faith, but all I can, I just knew, I just had this very inaudible, but very understandable, intelligible voice telling me to rest. Mm. Because when I would, when I would come to in the car and I would see my children and I would see them and I, especially my youngest daughter who was only three and she was terrified and I just wanted to hold her. I just feel like God's saying, Catherine, just rest. I am in control. And never have I been in a moment where I felt more helpless. Um, But I can honestly say that even though I was completely helpless to do anything to help my children, I felt no fear. There There was a very thick, comforting presence of God. And I really... 
in the moment, I did not fear for my daughter's life. I just really thought God was just telling me to rest. And in that moment, that's all I could do. I could just close my eyes and rest because I was powerless physically Mm -hmm. to do anything else. So, In our weakness, he is strong. Mm -hmm, Definitely, definitely. And that is Anne's life. I mean, that's her life right now. She is... That's she's the mascot of that verse. <laughs> so, so you have had quite a journey. So did, with the concussion, did you have a healing process personally, or is that, I, I'm not, I'm not super I familiar did. with concussion. It was it was a couple of weeks before I, I could be on my feet. I remember the very next day. The accident was on a Tuesday. Wednesday, I had my my closest friend tried to drive me to the hospital, and I couldn't do it. I I was physically unable. Um, to do anything but lie down. And that was horrible not to be able to go see my daughter in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and even on Thursday, they had to wheel me. I felt really silly to wheel me through the hospital in a child's wheelchair. Um, but that's really insignificant. It did take me a couple of weeks to heal from the concussion, but it was, I was very overwhelmed with, you know, or preoccupied with Anne and my right. other two children as well. So, right. I mean, cause it, I mean, that's traumatic for any mother, but to also, you know, to, to, to deal with both of those for the healthiest mother who, who didn't experience all that, but then to also have to go through it and deal with it when physically you weren't even able to go and be with your daughter. That's true. Um, but, you know, like I said before, God, God really, in a way, it was a very sweet cocoon. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I couldn't, I wasn't at home. I was at my best friend's house. You know, she cooked for me. She answered the phone for me. Um, she shielded me from all the chaos of of a, of a traumatic event like that. Mm-hmm. And I just laid on the sofa and rested. So it was a um, it was a good cocoon, a good calm before the storm of of literally living in the hospital for seventy three days. Um, that was a very intense time. So, at what point did you know that she was going to survive? Oh, probably about day nine or 10, I would say. Maybe day seven. May I don't know, maybe earlier than that. But it, it was a good week, I would say, that her life was in jeopardy. And definitely the first three or four days were just, you know, you would watch the numbers because they would, they would, they would measure the pressure in her brain. And every time the brain pressure numbers would go up, all you could think was, oh, goodness, are you going to cause more damage? You know, we didn't even know what damage was done. But as the pressure would build, you're like, oh, are you damaging even more? Um, So, yeah, it was very touch and go the first week. And she didn't even they would they were they had her in a medically induced coma. And the first time they tried to reduce the medications that so that she would wake up, it was not good. She did not respond well. She was not ready to wake up. So that was very difficult. Mm. Um, But when they finally were able to reduce the medications after about seven to 10 days and she would, you know, begin to open her eyes and the day that they took the breathing tube out, you know, where they took, where they took her off the ventilator and she was breathing on her own. That was a huge day um, to know that she could breathe on her own. Mm. It's a really neat story. We always pray. We always play Christian music in her room and they sent us out of the room because evidently it's a little bit scary to take the child off of the ventilator at first to see them gasp for air on their own. Yeah. Um, but when we came back into the room, 
um, the, there was a Christian song playing on the CD. You know that song, this is the air I breathe, mm. this is the air. It was just little moments like that. That, you know, God just kind of held our hand through the whole process. So uh, very sweet and very hard time. <laughs> so after seven to ten days, you knew that she was going to survive. Yes. Uh, how long did it take uh, before you had an idea of what kind of injuries she'd sustained and what kind of um, recovery process she was going to have to go through just to be able to leave the hospital? Yeah. You know, that was a very long, for my husband, he knew within the first 24 hours the kind of journey we were going to have. And he he grieved it intensely and shored himself up for the journey. Mm. For me, it was a, I lived in the moment. That's how I got through. And I couldn't think past the next day. There, Anne went through a very difficult irritability phase where um, she just cried all the time. And I, I think that was one of our lowest points. This is probably day, like week two, day, week two or three, day 14 or 21. And I remember looking at one of my closest friends and saying, if she, if she can't get past this crying phase, I don't think I can do this. Um, so I think it kind of hit me a little bit then. Um, I remember thinking if she could just talk, she'll be okay. And then she did talk in the hospital. She regained speech at about, um, I don't know, about a month after the accident, she started talking again. But when she started talking, you realized, oh my gosh, her brain is so hurt. Mm. Because everything that would come out of her mouth was just came from a very broken brain. Um, so that was kind of a an eye-opener for me to realize how badly she'd been injured. Um, so I think my journey personally has been this acceptance of her because it's hard to, it's hard to really, you think she lived, that's great. And now she's just disabled, but really with a brain injury, her whole person is different. Mm -hmm. You know, I would look into her eyes and they weren't there. They're still not the same eyes as she had when she was five or the accident, different eyes. It is a different person. So you almost have to go through the actual grieving process. Yes. Yes. There's a grief. I lost my five-year-old daughter that day. It is not as difficult. I'm not saying it is difficult as someone who's lost, lost their child. I'm, I did. I lost, I lost her person, lost personality. I lost the nuance of who she was. Her eyes Her face was different. Everything about her was different. Um, and so, yes, I, I grieved. It took a good two, two solid years of grieving her before I could really have more joy in her life than in what I'd lost. So it's, and I'm still, and so that acceptance of her, the new Anne, I always, in my blog, I always say, you know, our new Anne. Finally there. It's been almost, I think I'm at a place. 
be disabled for the rest of her life. And I accept that. It's just now I struggle with the day-to-day, um, just the day-to-day relentlessness of to the bathroom. So when she needs to go to the bathroom, praise God that she knows that she needs to go to the bathroom. Mm. But I have to take her there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she still needs a suppository to have a bowel movement. And I have to deliver that. And if I'm not there every single day to do that for her, she's going to get stopped up. I mean, it's those little nitty gritty, you know, I have to give her a bath every day. I mean, we did these things as moms when our children were infants to one and two. But I always dreamed of the day when my children would come four. All my children would be four. <laughs> because then they could all, you know, buckle their seatbelts. They could all get in the car by themselves. They to the bathroom it, it represented freedom to me and uh, when my young my youngest daughter turned four in the hospital we had her we had her her birthday party in the hospital and and that's just not the way I'd imagined my life to be when all my children got to be four um, and it's just different and so I think that's what I'm dealing with now acceptance of this new life mm-hmm. um, Catherine you're cutting out just a little bit um, I actually can't hear you at the moment I don't know if you can hear me I can hear you okay okay I'm sorry um, um, okay I'm sorry to interrupt there right I, I couldn't hear you so I just wanted to let you know that um, so so where are you guys now? How, how, how is Anne doing now? I, I saw on your blog that um, a prayer point for right now is for her to learn to read independently. Yes. So she's yes. come a long way since those um, particularly hard days in the hospital? Yes. Her, her recovery has been, has been an upward trajectory. Um, overall, it's been... Amazing, really. Yes. You know, one of the one of the first things she recovered was her speech, and that's her strength. She has an amazing vocabulary, and she has a, a, a just a fantastic ability to communicate her feelings and her wants and her desires. Um, and so, because of that, she brings joy to so many people. Um, before the accident, she was shy, but now because of the accident, she doesn't have the filters um, to refrain her thoughts, to keep her thoughts inside. So Anne will, Anne will go up to you and say, oh, that shirt, it is gorgeous. <laughs> Where did you get your earrings? They are beautiful. <laughs> so she has this wonderful ability to endear herself to others. Um, so... You know, yes, she needs prayer to read. Um, she's got, she has, you know, mental limitations. She's got physical limitations. She's She has to work really hard to overcome those. But she brings joy to so many people. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cry. No. <laughs> so but, so she she's a true gift. She is. I, I think about it, you know, before she was so shy, she was so wrapped up in herself, she was so self-conscious. She she would cry in Sunday school because she would have to go to the bathroom and she was too afraid to ask. 
Um, and I almost feel like God took her away from me. You know, sorry. And it's now given her to others. So, mm. yes, um, she's not on a normal track. She's not, she's not academically on par with her peers. She has her own separate track in life. She probably won't ever go to college. She'll probably live with us her life, but she, but that doesn't diminish the plan that God has for her and the significance that she's going to have, you know, in this world and for his kingdom. So I think that's the greatest lesson that I've learned from Anne. That, sorry. Mm-hmm. I always cry when I get when I'm grateful. So that's why I'm crying. I'm not crying from a place of sadness. I'm crying from a place of gratefulness. That she, you know, she um, personifies brokenness. She she is she is physically broken, um, just like we are spiritually broken. Um, she's a physical picture of what we all are, and and to see. And God's love for her is so evident in her life through her brokenness. And I think that's what God wants to do through all of us Mm. um, is to show, is to make his love evident through us, through our brokenness and our weakness. So Anne is a gift. She is a challenge, Mm. like all of our children are. I mean, my other two are in many ways just as challenging as Anne is, just in different, just differently. Um, but she truly is a gift. So you had an amazing community at the hospital. Um, in the four years, so uh, almost four years since then, have you continued to have that community? And for those of us uh, with friends uh, whose children face different challenges, um, how can mm-hmm. we be a blessing? How can mm-hmm. we help? What do you need? What do moms in situations like yours, what do they need and how can we serve them mm-hmm. best? And yeah, I'll, I'll just start with those. I'll start with that question. Those are great questions. I think, I think just to be included, I mean, obviously in the, tra- in the trauma, our church was fantastic in filling in all the, the immediate needs of, of childcare and meals and laundry. Those were very important, but in the aftermath, um, people have just been very accepting and have risen to our aid. Like Anne needs a special helper in Sunday school. And there are people in our church that volunteer just to be with her. Um, the families that, that had children Anne's age that are still, um, her, are still her friends. They continue to include her. Um, there's a balance between recognizing that Anne has special needs and accommodating those needs, um, but also treating us like we're like we're not any different. Do, mm-hmm. do you understand? That's a that's that, a fine balance, um, and I think that especially mothers of special needs children are very gracious in that balance. If you try, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to be gracious. Um, we actually enjoy at people. I love it when people ask, so why is your daughter in a wheelchair? I mean, that's not a hard question for me. I'm, I'm thankful that you, that you 
care enough that you'd want to know why she's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we kind of shy away from moms of special needs children if they if they're obviously disabled. And I think engaging them and asking them questions, um, even if you don't ask the right questions, I mean, there's grace there, and there's a there's an in, there's you're showing interest mm-hmm. and that you care. Um, so yeah, just including, just being. Is, is huge. And and gets invited whenever Anne gets invited to a birthday party of someone of her like in her general education peers or just you know healthy peers. It's always such a blessing um, for Anne and for me to be included. So I don't know if that's a, a good know, that's, start. That's a good one because I think so. A lot of people are afraid are so afraid to offend. That they, right. that they, we, me, don't, we don't take the initiative to just, you know, be okay with saying the wrong thing. You know, making ourselves vulnerable to possibly saying the wrong thing just to make that connection and to, um, you know, to get to know the the right. family or the child or whatever the situation is. So, no, that's that's really good. What, what, yeah. what are some things that we should not do that people maybe typically – do or think to do that just is probably not actually a blessing or well, is there anything something that i've really struggled with is since i've been through such a traumatic experience people are are less um comfortable sharing their own burdens with me they mm-hmm. feel like their burdens don't can't measure up to the tragedy that i've been through and so they don't share with me and that 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 makes my heart sad mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean we're I think, I think we, you know, our stories are all different. We all struggle and and suffer in our own, sometimes very hidden ways. My 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 story just happens to be very public, um, but that doesn't diminish the suffering. Um, so I guess that that that's something that I've really struggled with is that people just kind of feel like they like. They they always comparing their suffering with mine, and I just think that's I think that's petty. I don't don't do that. <laughs> I wanna I wanna share your burdens. I wanna I wanna walk through life with you. Um, I wanna be there for you when you suffer. Um, just because I have yes, I appreciate the grace and knowing that I'm not always gonna be able to have the time um, to maybe babysit your children or come along or do some of those physical time mm-hmm. um, ministries that because Anne takes up so much of my time, but I would love to bear some of your emotional burden and be your friend. Um, does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. I, I think it, I mean, I totally get that, that I would feel silly sharing something challenging with someone who's going through something more challenging. But I also think it's true that we really, uh, we all rise to the situations that were, rise and fall to the situations totally. that we're in. That's exactly right. God, I would never have been able to walk through this. I mean, God gives the grace when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't give me the grace to have a disabled child when I had a healthy child. Mm-hmm. But now I have that grace, and so that's exactly right. It's it's all about God's grace and Him strengthening us when we need it. Um, and and the other thing about having a disabled child is it's isolating. Um, I think that's the biggest struggle. Um, I can't just throw my kids in the car 
and and meet you for dinner on a on a moment's notice. I have all these things I have to think about. What, you know, whether or not Anne's been to the bathroom, I have to get on her braces. I, there's all these special things that I have to think about for Anne. So my life isn't as spontaneous. I'm not as accessible. Mm-hmm. Life isn't as, as accessible to us. So it's isolating. Um, so that's why I mentioned, you know, then when you don't share your burdens with me, then it's even more isolating. Right. Or So that's why the whole being included, um, con- you know, sharing, just having a confidant, anything to, to diminish or decrease the isolation mm-hmm. is helpful. So... So that brings me to my next question. And you are, um, you know, nearly four years into this journey. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a big journey and you have a lot to carry. But somehow you have managed to start a blog. And not only a blog, but a blog that you write on every single that You wrote on every single day for an entire year. And it wasn't just, you know we had macaroni and cheese for lunch today kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, For everybody listening, Catherine wrote a blog called Bible365blog.com where she read through the Bible and blogged through the Bible in an entire year. And if you go to the site, you'll see it's all listed out by day. I mean, it's it's amazing. And there's in-depth commentary on every single day. Obviously, the Lord was your foundation through this entire process, but it's still a process and you still have so much to do every day. How, how are you able to add this on and, and how has that been, I guess, symbiotic with your journey and been a blessing mm. to you as you've cared for Anne? Mm, those are good questions. I think um, God's word is the absolute foundation of my life. Um, I, without God's word and the and the theology, my own my own system of beliefs that I've, you know, that I believe because of God's word, I would never have been able to walk this journey. Um, so, and and writing is a huge passion of mine. Just writing about Anne, it's very cathartic. Um, just to write that grief journey, and it was so helpful to other people to just be so open about the, our daily struggles. So I really wanted to combine those two loves. Um, and as, as I was thinking about how to write more and how to improve my writing, my goal was to write every day just so I could be a better writer. I thought, what would I want to write about? And it would it would be God's Word. And so that automatically gives you a structure that's set in stone of every single day. I know what I'm going to write about. It's It's laid out for me. Um, so it was a huge, huge challenge. When the idea came to me, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I'd always wanted to read through the Bible. I never, I, ne- I never even read through the Bible in a year, and here I am trying to blog through it too. It was crazy. Um, but I knew the accountability of the blog would help me complete the task, and it did. To and and my my family, my family sacrificed. It took me a great amount of time every day, like an, mm-hmm. a, like hours of time every day, um, depending on which book. Ezekiel almost killed me. <laughs> it did. It almost killed me. I was very grateful to be out of Ezekiel, but um, it, was a, it was just a very rich, rich, rich time. I miss it. I really do. I miss it. So, yeah. I'm, yeah I, I, could, I can't even imagine blogging every day 
much less blogging about something coherent. Yes. You know, writing something that actually makes sense. Every and it was day. really important to me to to not just write junk. I mean, this is mm-hmm. God's word and mm-hmm. I love it. It I have great great respect for it. And so I never wanted to write anything wrong. I mean, so I I I really was tried to be so careful and cover it with prayer. And there were many days that I would sit down at the computer and I would read it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what in the world am I going to write? And God would just form a thought. Um, so it, it was, a, it, again, it was a whole year of me mm-hmm. um, living in my weakness and seeing God provide the strength. It was a, it was a good, good, good year. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you think that was something that you could have accomplished the, the, the Catherine that was before Anne's accident? Or do you feel like that that perseverance and mm-hmm. that focus is something that maybe you developed? And I'm not trying to speak into, you know, say this is how it was. I, I'm, I'm just curious to know right. um, if, if the pre-accident Catherine was that diligent and focused to accomplish something like that, or if that's something that you developed over the course of, of this whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. I think I would have been able to do it because the love for God's word and the love for writing was there before the accident. But I don't think I would have been able to write with the depth Mm -hmm. that I was able to because of the accident. You know, my, my experience of God is deeper because of the trial. Mm-hmm. My faith in his goodness and his sovereignty is stronger because of the trial. I mean, there was a, I had to wrestle through a lot of whys. You know, why did God, um, if God is sovereign, why did God um, want our family to walk through this? Why Anne? You know, what is it about Anne? Um, there was just a lot of theological questions that I had to wrestle with. And because of that, I think my writing through the Bible, um, I think there's evidence of that deep acknowledgement of His sovereignty and goodness and grace in my writing. So, And definitely there is an endurance that He grants through the everyday, you know, just the everyday relentlessness and and kind of this this just kind of finding the peace in, or the, there's no freedom in this life. I struggle with that. There's no freedom. I can't just do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And I really struggle with that. And as I, as I just kind of give in to my lack of freedom, I find, I find God there. And that is, that is peace. And there's a satisfaction, um, in giving up your life, that's just profound, and you can't really express in words. And I don't find that every day by no means. By no means, most days I struggle, mm-hmm. but by God's grace, when I do kind of kind of give in to the struggle and just accept this lot that I've been given, there's a deep satisfaction in that life. So good. Almost instead of fighting our circumstances right. to instead find God in them because there's always something to be learned and something to be gleaned in every experience that we walk through and a way, an opportunity to draw closer to Him 
and to um, share his grace more with those around us. Definitely. That's good. Well, Catherine, we are sadly almost out of time, but so there's a mom somewhere listening right now who is folding laundry, or maybe she just went for a run. Maybe her kids are about to wake up from a nap or wake up for the morning, or they just went to bed and she's, you know, dealing with, I mean, however she acted towards them during the day and just feeling a little worn out and run down and listening to this and feeling maybe a little bit, well, I can't believe, you know, that I think this is so hard. <laughs> you know, what what would you say to her right now? Um, I would say she, it is hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say it definitely is hard. Um, oh, it is. It's just so hard. But, but it, it, I think it's just what you said. Life will not always be that way. You will not always be waiting for your child, you know, you will not always be dreading for the time that your child wakes up from his or her nap. Um, there, there is going to be different seasons to life. And so there's a, there's hope in that. There's hope that you're not stuck where you are forever. God has a way of interrupting our plans for good or for worse. And sometimes when we think they're, I'm not wishing my circumstances on anyone. I'm not saying you're going to have a car accident tomorrow, but I'm just saying that as our children grow, we enter through different seasons, through different times, and 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 it's just not always going to be so hard, especially if we can find peace and find God in the midst of the mundane. Because that's really that that's life. Mm. Life is always finding God in the mundane. And somehow making the mundane holy, just, it is. I mean, it's, how can I bring, how can I bring God glory right now? It's all about the heart. How can I bring him glory in, in, in changing this nasty diaper? How can I bring glory when I'm sitting with Anne in the bathroom you know, for a long time waiting for her body to have a bowel movement. How can I bring him glory? How can I bring him glory um, when I'm trying to train my, you're training your children. Uh, it is, uh, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. No, you're good. But it's, I think, I think there's hope in the fact that life changes yeah. and that it's not always. And, and since life changes, You've got to think about that moment right there that's never going to be the same Mm -hmm. or that will change. And somehow, how can it be redeemed? Mm -hmm. And it's finding God. It is. Mm -hmm. Almost that uh, He is our hope instead of just our circumstances. And He is always in the midst of it. And, you know, my my kids, they're actually about the same ages as yours. They're 11, 9, and 7. Yep, those are my kids. Yep. (laughs) And, you know, I, uh, as my seven-year-old, he's, he's my one boy. And as they, as he gets older, I'm like, oh, I really miss the little, you know, cuddly baby in footy pajamas. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now that they're older, I, when I was, they were little, I didn't miss that phase all that much. But now that they're older, I really do. And so I'm trying to seize just every moment, you know. As you very well know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I want to find what joy I can in today, however Definitely. hard it might be to find. It's there. And, um, I, and just, I think just knowing that the work matters, mm-hmm. there's purpose in it. There's purpose in the mundane. 
Um, the our culture just minimalizes our jobs at home. They minimalize our work at home, and it it has kingdom importance. Mm-hmm. It is um, it, it it moves mountains and God's economy. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, we were listening to this Abraham Lincoln biography as a family, and um, I love his quote that says uh, something along the lines of "Everything I am, I owe to my angel mother." And if you think of all the great things that he did, I don't know that many people couldn't even name his mother, but he owes all that he is to his who his mother was and what the, what she taught to him. So what we do might not be something that gets glory uh, on earth, but it is something that God honors and that makes a huge impact. So um, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable and honest and inspiring. And I'm confident that it's affecting moms. There are moms that listen to this podcast literally all over the world. Mm. And what you share today is going to impact how they love on their children. Children all over the world are going to be blessed and um, just by mm. what you've shared and the impact that you've had. So thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way by His Spirit with each breath that I take. It's feeling like a good day.